Love Hurts is doing a live episode recording on July 14th at 4 p.m. at the Crane Theater for Tailfest. Past Love Hurts guests will be sharing stories on stage, and then I'll be doing a sit-down interview with Gaster Almonte. He's been featured on Comedy Central, and his album Immigrant Made came out earlier this year. Click the link in the show notes or check out Love Hurts' website to buy tickets. Hope to see you there! The guests on Love Hurts occasionally use some adult language and go into some more intense subject matter, but that's kind of how real life works anyway. This is Love Hurts. I'm Brian Berlin. Today's guest is Tracy Starin. Tracy is a storyteller living in Queens. Growing up, Tracy noticed her extended family was pretty hard on her. As she got older, that dynamic only got worse, and Tracy had to decide if it was worth trying to salvage those relationships or to cut that family out of her life. Hey, Tracy, how's it going? Good. How are you, Brian? Good. Yeah, how you feeling? Good? Ready to share? Good, definitely ready to share. <laughs> I have a lot of things I've been thinking about. Yeah, where's uh, where does your story start? I guess it starts from my very young childhood. These are things that I've really thought about my whole life, kind of trying to figure out why things happen this way, and I've never really found answers to it other than what I've always thought, which is my family just weren't very nice people. Yeah. They just weren't nice people. And I, I guess it started from when I was a very, very small child. Um, my my parents were divorced when I was uh, a baby. And so my it was my father's side of the family. And so I really only saw them when he brought me to see them. So I didn't see them often. I didn't see them regularly. And then, I don't know, I I feel like as an adult now, if you saw a child in your family only semi-regularly, you might want to go out of your way to be extra nice to that kid. Yeah, if just like, oh, I haven't seen you in a few months or years. Like, how's it going? What's going on? Yes. <laughs> and that w- wasn't how it was. Yeah. From the time I was very, very little, they just kind of picked on me relentlessly over sometimes very, very small, insignificant things, and sometimes really over just who I who I was, just me, just constantly picking on me, on everything about me. And that was from when I was very little, uh, really my whole life. Yeah. Um. I, one of the things that sticks with me was when I was a little kid, I didn't, and, and to this day, I didn't eat Jello. <laughs> and the only reason that that is worth mentioning is because from when I was a very small child, every time I saw my family, which was really just once every few months, it got mentioned that they never heard of a kid who didn't eat Jello before. And what kind of kid? didn't eat jello and who what kid didn't eat jello how do you not eat jello who doesn't eat jello <laughs> and it was rel- relentless yeah so instead of it being this thing that you're like oh i don't like this and they're like okay that's fine it became this big thing that came up every time that it was yeah and it it was the kind of thing that would cause me like anxiety and i didn't understand until i was an older teen that you did not have to have anxiety about jello <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is like, yeah, why why is this a thing? And it's funny too to be like 
in my head, it's like, what are they? Is your family just existing on Jello all the time? And that's like, it feels like that wasn't the case. And they just would bring it up to just bring it up. And that, it wasn't something that Jello was around the household. A no, lot. it yeah. wasn't. I can't even say that Jello was an important thing in my family. Nobody had money in the Jello yeah, Corporation. You, you weren't. No, it just got brought up to get brought up. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So those are the ways that people in your family would sort of call you out for almost being different, right? Yeah. And then other ways, and this also went on relentlessly, was um, getting my ears pierced, constantly attacking me about getting my ears pierced and calling me a chicken and calling me a baby because I didn't get my ears pierced. And this went on and on and on. And the first time I got my ears pierced, I was eight. So all of that went on before I was even eight years old. Yeah, geez. Yeah. And I've had my ears pierced a few times in my life, and every time I do, they get infected, and they wind up closing. And I now I'm, I'm in my 40s, and I just don't have my ears pierced anymore because it's so much trouble. I don't even care. Just leave it <laughs> <Yeah>. alone. <laughs> but this was something they tormented me for for years of my life about getting my ears pierced. And then again, I was in my 20s before I realized – you could just say to people, "Oh, I don't, I don't have pierced ears," and you know what? Most people don't care. Yeah, you it, like you had to say it to people outside of your family, and then being like, "Oh yeah, okay," and like not it being a big thing for you to realize, "Oh, this is something that my family is making a bigger deal than it needed to be." Yes, and then so I was raised by my mom's family, who were not Jewish, and my father's family was Jewish. And so the times that I saw them were often for Jewish holidays. And okay. they, so they were Jewish, but like I always say more ish than Jew. They, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they weren't like religious in any way and really only practiced. I mean, they were like mezuzahs in the doorways and they, they had, we had dinner at the holidays, but they weren't, they weren't practicing in any way. And so I really, like I said, I didn't really like being with them because they were not nice to me. And so seeing them at the holidays was also kind of dreadful for me. And they never, nobody ever explained to me any of the meanings behind the holidays. I never knew what anything was. And yet there was some sort of always profound disappointment that I was not more Jewish, even though they didn't ever do anything to, like, make me Jewish. Yeah, to educate you. <laughs> right. So like, I don't know if I was supposed to sort of absorb it through the air or something. <laughs> but so they went out of their way to make sure that I felt different for like not being Jewish in the family, but then they didn't do anything to remedy that. Um, and so that always made me feel really, uh, we used to have, so we used to do sort of this mini Seder at Passover where we just did the four questions. And I was the youngest person in the family, so I had to read the four questions. And that's how it was presented to me every year at Passover was that, ha-ha, I had to read the four questions because I was the youngest. Like it was, you know, like a booby prize or something rather than explaining to me what the four questions were. or Yeah, what. the significance of this mm-hmm. event and why this is the thing that we do. <laughs> so it was always this huge drag. Oh, boy. Yeah. And as I got older, I really got to kind of resent them and resent the whole thing and not want to do it. And nobody ever explained anything to me or told me anything about it. Um, and so that that's what, and my mother's family was not religious at all. They were like lapsed Catholics and they weren't religious at all. So we had no religion at home. Um, but they were kind of adamant that I not have any other religion, even though they didn't 
also provide me with anything. <laughs> it was a lot. Oh, boy, yeah. You're, like, navigating this very weird, narrow way of, like, you can't go too far this way or too far this way. And nobody's explaining anything to me, but I'm doing things wrong, even though Always. nobody's telling me how to do these right. I had a, a second cousin who was exactly my age. And her branch of the family had decided to raise her with some religion. Yeah. And so to my family, that meant there was a competition and that we were losing. <laughs> And so she was having a bat mitzvah. Okay. So my grandmother wanted me to have a bat mitzvah. So she came to me and asked if I'd like to have a bat mitzvah. And I said, no, that's okay. So she said, if you don't want to go to Hebrew school, we can arrange for you to learn the prayers phonetically. (laughs) And I said, well, then what is the point of that? Because even at like 12, I just knew that that was baloney. And and then my my aunt, who, who was greedy and mean in a way that you usually only see in like a Disney villain, she weighed in with, have a sweet 16, you get better presents. (laughs) And my grandmother, who was sick of all of us at that time, said, have both, I'll pay for it. Because my grandmother's way of solving everything was to throw money at it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I said, I'll just have neither. And so I had neither. And then everybody was disappointed in me for like the rest of my life. Yeah, and it seemed like they were already disappointed in you to begin with, so this you weren't going to win this battle anyway. <laughs> no. So my father my father had had a second wife who was also awful, but then we, he got rid of her, and he, had, he got married again to a very nice lady. And when he got married to her, he had a small wedding in my aunt's house. And I remember walking into her house. My mom dropped me off. I walked in her house, and you walk in the front door, and you walk down a long hallway that leads into the kitchen. And I was dressed up. I think I was 12. And I had on a dress and high heels and makeup and jewelry. And um, I walked into the hallway, down the hallway, into the kitchen. And before I could even say hello, my aunt came flying across the room and grabbed a napkin and wiped the lipstick off my face. She said, that color is much too dark for you. You shouldn't be wearing it. And she, like, attacked me in front of everybody before anyone even said hello to me. And they just all picked on me so badly that day that I went home crying. And so my mother decided to get involved. And she called my aunt and she called my grandmother and she said, you have to lay off because it's too much now. You're, You're really, it's too much now. And then it got worse. It got worse. My aunt started to attack me on like a regular basis. It just got so much worse. And how often were you seeing these people in your life? Like every week, every month? Like Probably once a month to once every two months. Okay. Yeah. So they're like in your life enough where this was something that you were constantly probably being anxious and stressed about because you knew that you'd have to see these people again and what's going to happen this time. Yes. Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, my grandparents had some money, and so they used uh, – they were they could be very generous. And they used that generosity and the money to kind of bully us and corral us. Yeah. You know, like, it's hard when somebody is being very mean to you and then is after that very generous to you. It's hard to confront them about it because, well, you've just gotten something that's that's very expensive. 
Yeah, they're kind of using yes. that as this way to kind of manipulate you. Yes, yes. Because in people with money, that mitigates whatever they've done. Yeah. So, um, and then when I was 14, my father died. And so that was the last bit of a buffer that I had against them. Yeah, because you're this your aunt and grandma were from your dad's side of the family that you've been having a lot of this yeah tough stuff with, and also I had an older cousin, and she had sort of joined forces with my aunt and my grandma. I used to call them maiden mother and crone. Okay, <laughs> and she also had started to get really when my father died, and we were sitting shiva at my grandmother's house. They decided to sort of use me as the family gopher. I had to answer the door, and I had to accept all the deliveries, and I had to make the plates of food, and as if I had not also suffered yeah, a like loss. You just lost your dad, yeah. and you're like, oh, well, Tracy's just going to be here to take care of things versus like actually being able to grieve with the rest of your family. Yeah. And then the three of them went to my father and stepmother's apartment and cleaned out all his stuff. He, Because he died without a will. He died very suddenly without a will. Oh, so they just took... It wasn't so much as they cleaned things out as much no, as... No, like... they just took whatever they wanted. Okay. They took advantage of my stepmother, who was in a terrible state of grief. And they went in there, and they took whatever they wanted, and they gave me what they decided I should have, not what my father wanted me to have. And not the things that, like, there were things that my mother and father had bought together when they were married that should have been mine. And I didn't get any of those things. Man. Yeah. Yeah, and again, it's like you're in this weird, because you said you were 14, so you don't have a lot of, you're still a kid in their eyes, I guess, you know, you're yeah, you're not being treated, I guess they're never treating you with respect up to no. this point, so it's not like it's going to start now. No. But you don't have a lot of power in the whole dynamic of things at the moment. No. And when I went to them, I waited for months. And then when I kind of went to them and I said, there are things that were his that I wanted, they decided it was time to tell me some really terrible things about my father's life. <laughs> about he had gambling problems and when he died, he owed the money and all things that I really could have live the rest of my life without knowing about his father. And I didn't, there was no reason I need to know it. And I, I still didn't understand why I couldn't have those things. I guess they decided those things were payment. Yeah, that was their way of justifying, like, why they took all this stuff, which is, again, yeah, you're getting hurt in the process. And then they're just not even listening to you or seeing you as a person in this situation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And but I still I was very close with my stepmother. My stepmother my stepmother actually used to come to my mom's house for Christmas Eve every year. Oh, okay, that's that's nice. <laughs> my mother inherited my father's dead yeah. wife. <laughs> um, and she went so she used to have to go to my family's house for the Jewish holidays too. She was sort of also trapped. Yeah, like still connected mm-hmm. to that part of the family. So she would come and pick me up. And bring me and take me home. And on the way there, because she knew they were all messed up too. And so on the way there, we would strategize. And on the way home, we would kind of do the postmortem of all the crazy things they said and they did because they were all nuts. And then at one point, a few years later, 
eventually, so when I was 17, I went away to college. And that kind of, it kind of got me away from them because I went away to college and most of my family moved to Florida full time. Okay. Yeah. And you, I know you, I just know this, that you went to college in Boston, right? right. So now you have that like buffer between them. That's right. A good my, amount of miles. My grandmother used to, we all used to go visit her once a year in Florida. And I still did that, I think, at least one year that I was in college. Um, but then I started to like break away. I stopped I stopped calling them. I stopped ca- I stopped cashing the birthday checks because I thought, well, if I'm not going to talk to them, I'm not going to take any money anymore. Yeah, so and also, like, I don't want these weird things that are then going to let you, I don't know, say more terrible things to me. Right. You don't want, you no longer want that, like, inter- that money interaction clouding this weird relationship. Right. I thought, if I'm going to break i'm gonna break everything yeah. even though like i really yeah needed yeah, yeah. The money at that, at that point, time. you're like oh this check me I, out. I so needed that money but i feel like for you that's at that moment right it's kind of that first time where you probably had the ability to see things in a bigger picture right because everything in your life at that point had been so tightly wound around your family and those dynamics and now you're kind of in college and you're seeing like a bigger part of the world I guess right and you're getting a little bit more freedom yeah and I was like I don't actually have to have these people in my life I really don't and I met so many people in college who like didn't some people didn't talk to members of their family sometimes because there had been a feud or sometimes because they just weren't close to people in their family not everybody i mean in my neighborhood everybody lived near their family and everybody talked to their family and everybody saw their whole family at the holidays and not everybody in the world operates like that so when i first went away to school i would tell people that i was jewish but there was always like an explanation like well yeah, I'm Jewish. My family's Jewish. We're not. I'm not practicing. <laughs> yeah. And so there was always some sort of explanation that because ha- I had to explain why I didn't actually know anything about <laughs> yeah. Judaism. I hadn't been to. I hadn't like done any of the. Like I had a. I had a. My freshman year roommate was Jewish. Okay. And she was like really at like actually practicing Jewish. And when when she, freshman year of college, she did try to keep that up. And half the things that she did, I didn't, I never even heard of. (laughs) So there was always like an explanation as to why I was Jewish and yet not really Jewish. So I stopped saying it because I was like, this is ridiculous because I'm not even really Jewish. I should stop. Yeah, this is like causing more problems than it is since I'm barely Jewish anyway. Because I didn't, I don't really earn it because I didn't grow up with any of the things. Yeah. Um, And it's funny because it's such, just you explaining all this, it's so funny how. I'm just think, thinking about it now and thinking back like in college how that identity is such a big – for some people it matters so much, right? And it it feels like, yeah, you you were sort of learning that like this doesn't matter to me, but I'm realizing that people are taking weight with me saying mm-hmm. what it is. So by not saying anything, then I can just not have to deal with this thing mm-hmm. that doesn't matter to me, but people are taking it meaning much more than it is. Yeah, I should also mention the other half of my family is Italian, and I don't really identify that way either because nobody in my family speaks Italian. We don't have 
any relatives left in Italy. I always laugh when when people ask my family what part of Italy we're from. <laughs> yeah. I always whenever because my family's from Nola, but I always interject. Like, I would say Brooklyn because yeah. we've been from Brooklyn since like 1890. <laughs> we're not from Italy anymore. That's baloney now. Yes, it's just that thing that's like a cultural part of your family versus like an actual connection to Italy at this point. So yeah, I don't. Like, it's kind of ridiculous to identify myself even as Italian anymore. I'm not, I, I'm from Queens. That's what I am. Yeah, yeah. You, you're, you've gotten to this point now where you're like, okay, I have these heritages and upbringings that are these things, but these things aren't actually who I am specifically. <laughs> so why am I telling people that this is what I am? Yeah. So, so, so when I went away to school and so I got to that point where I was like, I'm not going to return any phone calls anymore and I'm not going to cash their checks anymore. But they didn't seem to notice that I was trying to break away from the family. They just seemed to think that I was lazy and dumb. <laughs> yeah, like, again, going back to just, like, not really having high expectations from you no. and kind of being jerks to you. So they started to leave really nasty messages, Ugh. increasingly nasty messages on my answering machine, like, really horrible things like... Everyone in this family is so disappointed in you, and nobody even wants to talk to you anymore. If your father Ugh. were alive, he'd be ashamed of you. Really just terrible, yeah. awful things. So I just kept ignoring it and ignoring it and ignoring it. And it just it got worse and worse and worse. And then at one point, my stepmother, who I had always been very close to and who always, along with me, agreed that they were crazy, had started to harass me about calling them. Like she was saying, you need to call them more? Yeah. So now she was kind of pulled on to their side? So it was like that scene in the video for Thriller when when the girl turns around and he is also a zombie. And I was like, oh, no. Because it does feel like, yeah, the way you were describing it before, she was sort of your one other person was that was on the ally. outside that you were like, hey, you see that this is crazy too, right? Like you're with me and now you lose that person. Yeah. So she was my ally, and then it looked like she was their ally. Yeah. And I remember she was at my mom's house when she said that. And I remember her saying it and me looking at my mom. And I, I remember I just my mom and I just looked at my, my, my at each other. And I could see she knew exactly what I was thinking, like, uh-oh, she's on their side now. Yeah. And so at that point, I don't know, I think you're probably a little too young to remember this, but so you remember, like, everybody would move at around September 1st because that's when the school Oh, yeah, that so. still was in Boston when I was there. Right. Like, they, the lease is okay. all, yeah. So I was, I was just about to move. Now, <laughs> back then, before the internet, if you moved and you changed your phone number and you went unlisted, <laughs> nobody could find you. <laughs> like, that, that was it. Unless they hired a private detective, yeah. that, that was it. And so I did. I moved apartments because my lease was up and I was moving. I got a new phone number because I moved from Boston to Brookline. Okay. And it would have cost me $40 to keep my phone number. So I got a new one. And I went unlisted. <laughs> was there, like, such a stress that was, like, lifted off of you when that happened? It, it was. And it wasn't only it wasn't only um, from them, but also I had recently been through a breakup. And I remember coming home every day and looking to see if my machine was blinking to see if he had called me. Yeah. And so he knew I was moving and he knew he had a certain amount of time to call me. <laughs> 
And so when I moved and I went enlisted, then I at least I knew he couldn't call me because he didn't have the number and he couldn't look it up. So it it was a bummer, but at least I knew I, I wasn't going to come home and look for that message anymore. Yeah, I let you kind of get past that mm-hmm. too. So I wasn't going to be getting crazy messages from them. I wasn't going to be looking for the blinking light from him. So there was like a lot lifted off me after that. And so they did call my parents' house looking for me at one point. And my stepfather, who was awesome, got on the phone and said something like, if you want to know why you haven't heard from her, maybe you should think about what you've been doing to her for all these years and just hung up the phone. Oh, man, what a move. Because <laughs> he never liked any of them. Yeah, he was like, I don't care about my relationship with these people. I'll just say what I think and get out the phone. <laughs> so that worked from, so that was about 1995 ish until uh, 2008. Okay, so you went quite a long time without having them in your life. And then. Um, Facebook was invented. (laughs) And uh, so I got on Facebook like everybody else, and I started to get all these friend requests. And one was from my crazy aunt, who I call Ursula the Sea Witch. And one was from my cousin. And I repeatedly ignored them, and I repeatedly ignored them. And my cousin kept sending me messages, and I repeatedly ignored it, and I repeatedly ignored it. And then one message she said was, "Um, please talk to me. You don't have to talk to my mother. So I said, okay, I'll see what she has to say. So we exchanged a couple messages, and then we talked on the phone. Yeah. And it was a really nice conversation. She Um, She has a family now, and she's married, and we talked on the phone for a while, and she told me all kinds of gossip about our family that I have missed over these 12 years, all kinds of stuff about, like, other relatives (laughs) that I didn't know about. And she, at the time, had been in a feud with her mother and our grandmother, and uh, told me all kinds of stuff about them, how, you know, her mother is so overdramatic, and all things that I knew. And I was but I was very careful not to tell her really any personal information. I told her that I was married and and uh, I told her I was what I was doing for work and but I really didn't tell her very much personal information because I had a feeling that I was being played. And pump me for information to give to her mother. Yes, and yeah, yeah. Like yeah, she's she's being this like middle person to get to the people who really are, have been the meanest to you. Yep. And she said that uh, she lives she lives far away now. She lives in the Midwest. But she said she comes to New York every year in July. And when she comes to New York, she wanted to get together. And she wants me to meet her kids. And she's told her kids all about me. So I was like, that's great. I would love to get together. And we got off the phone. And her birthday was like a week or two, pretty, pretty soon after that phone call. And... Uh, when it was her birthday, I called. Didn't get her. But not unusual for somebody to be out on their birthday. Yeah. She didn't call me back. And a few days later, I called again. Didn't get her. Didn't call me back. So then uh, over a couple of years, we had a couple of very tense exchanges where she was not very nice to me. 
I thought, oh, okay. So that that all was BS. Yeah, this was just this thing of, yeah. 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 <laughs> that was BS. And her mother had tried to get in touch with me a couple of times over the years. Uh, she sent me messages that weren't nice. She tried to attack me through comments on Facebook. Jesus. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. yeah. And so I just sort of defriended everybody and blocked everybody. And Yeah, you did the thing of moving and not giving them your phone number again. Yep. And so that's where we stand now. Yeah. yeah. Man, that's, it's so complicated because it's, it's a weird thing. Like the thing that's hard for me to wrap my head around, I'm sure this is something that's been hard for you to wrap your head around. It's like if you people are so terrible to me, why are you still trying to contact me? I, I And I have asked over the years, I have because my mother knew them, of course, for years, too, because she was married to my father. And so she was part of that family for years. And I've asked my mother so many questions about them because I, I don't understand what is behind being mean to a little kid. And I know that they were also mean to my cousin when she was a little yeah. kid. And they, my mother told me that, my father told me that, and my cousin told me that. She said they did that to me when I was little too. So I, I, when I was a little kid, I used to tell my father, I don't think they like me. And he said, of course they like you. They love you. And I remember being just like 11 or 12 and discovering that there was a difference between loving somebody and liking somebody. I thought they might love me, but I don't think they like me because they were so mean to me. And it has informed the way I treat the kids in my life, too, because it's easy to make fun of a little kid. It's, But it lasts, it stays with them for a long time. Yeah, I think it's like a, such a, it's something that even though they're adults and they were kids at one point, it's like they obviously weren't thinking about that because, yeah, you as a kid, you experience and remember so many things and that obviously stayed with you for a long time because, you, as you said earlier, like it took you a long time to realize like, oh, I'm not wrong for not mm-hmm. liking Jell-O or th- like those weird things that you had to kind of work to get out of your head to say like, this doesn't mean that I'm a bad person, <laughs> which is so awful that these people that were adults like kind of I don't know threw you for a loop for your childhood yeah when you're mean to little kids they remember it yeah and they'll remember it forever yeah and it's tough that yeah you almost got some kind of a I don't know connection at some point of 10 years ago and then that didn't really turn out to be what no it could have been it didn't yeah because like i'm sure there was that part of you that was like oh i cut these people out of my life but if somebody's changed it would be nice to connect with this person right i I actually did there's that little bit of hope where you think because you always think you always think it's your fault yeah right so i thought maybe they'll like me now but no it's still, yeah. When all along, it's the way that they are as people and not who you are as a person. Like you saying, like, oh, maybe they'll like me now. Like maybe I'm different enough to like now. When it has nothing to do with who you are and has everything yeah. to do with who they, how they're treating you. Yeah. And I never, I never. <laughs> after I went to college, I never celebrated another Jewish holiday ever. Yeah. Because I had no. 
interest in ever doing it on my own. And I certainly didn't want to be with them anymore. Yeah, that's the other thing. It's like, not only was it not something that you were close with, but the memories from that part of your life aren't things that you wanted to go back towards anyway. No, but it would, you know, now at my age, it would kind of be nice to have a tradition. Yeah. yeah. Even if it's not a, relig- a religious uh, one, it would be nice to have a, like a family tradition. Yeah. Which I don't. My grandparents spoke Yiddish and I, they could have taught me some Yiddish, but instead they used Yiddish when they didn't want me to understand things. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of it being this thing that could bring you together, it was a thing that kept you apart. And my cousin, relentlessly, every time they spoke Yiddish, my cousin would say, what? And my grandmother would say, if we wanted you to know what we were talking about, we would have said it in English. And so I refused to ever give them the satisfaction of even picking up my head when they were speaking Yiddish. Yeah. Again, it's just another way that they're reinforcing this weird power dynamic Mm -hmm. and treating you in the way that they're treating you. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's good that you at least breaking away. It feels like you're you got to be in a much better like headspace and all that. Mm-hmm. And that, yeah, I guess it's like a po- it's a positive in this negative. <laughs> like th- it sucks that this all had to happen, but at least you were able to like get to a point where you're like, I need this for my own personal sanity and to enjoy and like live my life in a way where I'm not having these like toxic people in my life. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much for sharing, Tracy. Thank you, Brian. Um, I know that you tell a lot of stories around New York and you host a few stories too, or if people want to find more about you online or there anything you want to plug, like where can people uh, find you? I, you can check out my Instagram. It's at Tracy.Starin. You can check out my Twitter. It's at TracyStarin1, the number one. And that'll usually have what I'm doing and where I'm going to be. Cool. This is how we This is how we fight for something that's right. Love Hurts is produced, hosted, and edited by Brian Berlin. Theme music by Mickey Hommel. Show art by Caroline Mallon. You can find Love Hurts on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like the show, Rate and review it on Apple Podcasts and tell a friend about it. You can find Love Hurts on Instagram and Twitter at Love Hurts Pod, and our website is lovehurtspod.com. I'm Brian Berlin, and this is Love Hurts. <laughs>